With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Let me explain what you'll be hearing in today's episode. FIFA was founded to spread the game of soccer around the world. It's made up of representatives from member nations whose primary responsibility is to organize World Cup tournaments. So you might ask, how did this noble nonprofit turn into a money-making machine that invited so much corruption? Well, color TV and colorful commercials played a big role in that money part. But the corruption is a more complicated story, and as always, it starts at the top. I'm Connor Powell. This is Episode 6, The Era of Gold. At first glance, the piece of paper found by investigators in Rio de Janeiro appeared to be nothing more than a letter of reference for a friend. The handwritten note, dated October 2, 1987, was tattered and worn, Its composition wasn't particularly articulate nor eloquent, but the gist of what it said was pretty straightforward. Castor de Andrade is my friend and is a loyal family man who loves sports. Let me repeat that to you because it's important to our story. Castor de Andrade is my friend and is a loyal family man who loves sports. The letter concluded by saying, and I authorize Castor de Andrade to use this statement as he deems appropriate. To investigators who found the letter in 1994, seven years after it was written, the intent of the author's statement was crystal clear. I'm important. Don't mess with my friend. 
the implications of this simple message were far-reaching, not only in Brazil, but around the world. You see, Castor wasn't just a humble family man who liked sports. In the 1980s and 1990s, he was one of Brazil's most famous people, with an electric smile and a flashy style that resembled a television game show host. Castor was known as the king of carnival. The pulsating, gyrating, and seductive Brazilian festival held every year before the start of the Christian period of Lent. Castor had a samba school that had won five carnival titles between 1979 and 1996. That's a really big deal in Brazil. He also owned one of Rio's top soccer teams, Bangu Atletico. And he ran the incredibly popular and illegal lottery game known in Brazil as Jogo de Bichu. Castor was a businessman, a bookie, and a mobster. It was estimated his gambling operation brought in more than a billion dollars a year. He used his control of the illegal lottery to launder massive amounts of cash for criminal gangs, not only in Brazil, but also outside of the country, including Colombia's notorious Cali cartel, the Sicilian mafia, and some shady Israeli gangsters you've never heard of. You see, Castor was known as one of South America's top mobsters and most dangerous men. And in 1987, investigators were closing in on him. So when the Brazilian newspaper O Globo reported on April 9, 1994, that Brazilian investigators had found the seven-year-old letter of recommendation, eyebrows went up in Brazil, and they went up around the soccer world when it was announced that the person acting as Castor's moral guarantor was none other than FIFA's president, João Havelange. To explain the note and how João Havelange came to be tied up with a gangster of Castor's reputation, you need to go back to a time when FIFA put the non in non-profit. The 1974 financial report, hand-delivered to FIFA's executive committee, was much like the soccer organization's outgoing president, Stanley Rouse. Organized, detailed, and brutally transparent. It was also somewhat unimpressive. The last report, produced by the stodgy Englishman before relinquishing the FIFA presidency, declared the 1974 World Cup the most successful tournament ever, and said that ticket sales from the World Cup games made up the overwhelming majority of FIFA's revenues, amounting to a $19 million profit for the organization. Meaning, despite its solid success, FIFA had yet to really tap the massive potential from television and other marketing opportunities. And since FIFA's only revenue-producing event was the World Cup, the entire $19 million profit FIFA made that year would be needed to prepare for the next World Cup and to sustain FIFA's non-World Cup year operations. FIFA was attention-rich. Its games were watched all around the globe. But it was cash-poor, with very little money in the bank. Today, FIFA is rolling in money. I want you to listen to how former President Sepp Blatter described FIFA's financial health when defending its nonprofit status back in 2012. We are a non-profit organization, and we have to remain a non-profit organization. A non-profit with over a billion dollars in the bank. Yeah, but this is a, a, a reserve. 38 years after its $19 million profit, 
FIFA had a reserve of $1 billion. Not a profit, a reserve. That's money just sitting in the bank. And that is an incredible financial transformation. And it's largely the result of João Havelange and his vision for FIFA. Listen to soccer historian Stu Horsfield explain. Football as we know it now is because of Yao Havelange. He understood that there was a thirst for football and a real desire to watch it and to watch the World Cup. You know, he saw the earning potential. He saw the corporate potential. You know, he saw the product that FIFA was. One positive thing that could be said about the 1974 financial report, it was also probably the last one that could truly be believed. President Havelange had a slightly different approach to bookkeeping, preferring a more opaque style. During the 16 years that Havelange was president of the Brazilian Sports Federation, known as CBD, nearly $7 million went missing. When Brazil's own corrupt military dictators discovered this gaping hole in 1975, they were irate. Which is ironic, because at the same time in the mid-1970s, the ruling junta were stripping Brazil of money and resources at every turn. When Brazil's military leaders wanted to arrest and charge Havelange with fraud and embezzlement, Havelange always knew whose hands to shake and whose hands to grease. He's an incredibly skilled and talented politician. If he'd not gone into sport, I'm sure he would have made an excellent politician. Instead, Brazil's military leaders removed Havelange from running the CBD, which he had continued to do even after becoming FIFA's president in 1974. Left with only one job, Havelange set his sights on turning the World Cup into a commercial success. FIFA under Havelange would become mind-blowingly wealthy. And as FIFA began to succeed, he made sure a sizable portion of its exploding profits ended up in his and his friends' pockets. Even after the long flight, FIFA's new president looked impeccable as he walked outside. Tall, muscular, and with the broad shoulders of a swimmer. He wore a finely tailored suit and tie. That was his dress code. Now you've noticed I've often mentioned how FIFA officials dress, their fondness for smart, expensive suits. And that's because Havelange believed a president should always look the part. Really, anyone in power should look impressive. FIFA might be full of crooks, but they were always well-dressed crooks. When Havelange arrived in Zurich shortly after his 1974 election, the Brazilian was ready to get to work. After all, he made a lot of promises to get elected, from increasing the number of teams in the World Cup to 24, to creating a youth tournament, to funding development programs in the developing world. Now, it was time to make good. However, standing there alone, with his luggage and his hand outside the Zurich airport on his first trip to FIFA's headquarters since being elected president, Havelange looked more like a confused and lost traveler than a president. Where was FIFA's general secretary, Helmut Kaiser? Or any one of the other half dozen or so FIFA employees to greet him? Havelange fumed as he looked at his watch, wondering if anyone was on their way. Presidents don't take taxis. Presidents are met to Havelange, there was no more important office in the world than his. 
He sees it as being more powerful as the United Nations. He sees himself on a par with, you know, political presidents, political leaders, kings and queens of monarchies. You know, he sees himself and he sees FIFA as this absolute monolith of an organization. And it does become that. Pavlanch was frustrated, now late and anxious to begin his work. Pavlanch demanded from then on, someone from FIFA's staff would always be ready to meet him at the airport to act as his chauffeur on a moment's notice. Years later, this would become an official job responsibility of FIFA's general secretary. It was the first of many changes Havelange would implement, but certainly not the last. Havelange would usher in a new way of doing business at FIFA, so says historian John Sugden, who interviewed Havelange for his 1998 book, FIFA and the Contest for World Football, who rules the people's game. Havelange's style was a messy mix of personal, political, and corporate interests. I remember interviewing Havelange along with my colleague Alan Tomlinson in Cairo. And I said to him, Mr. Havelange, what do you consider to be your greatest achievements? And he said, when I took over at FIFA, this is when Stanley Rouse ran the organization from basically his back garden shed in Swiss Cottage in London. He said, I checked into the cash box, and he used that word, that phrase. I looked at the cash box, and there were $25 in the cash box. And he said, now I'm about to leave FIFA, I can tell you there are $25 million in that cash box. And he saw that as his crowning achievement. As a registered nonprofit, making money, that is the pursuit of profit above all else, this wasn't something that previous FIFA leaders really worried about. For the old guard, it was beneath them. From Jules Ramey to Stanley Rouse, they saw the organizing of the World Cup as their primary responsibility, not the profiting from it. When Havelance took over, aided and bettered by Dassler, that was superseded by a kind of entrepreneurial ethic. The main role was for FIFA to make money. You just heard John Sugden refer to Horst Dassler, who would become Havelange's right-hand man. Dassler knew international sports were changing. The German entrepreneur and son of the founder of the sports apparel company Adidas just wasn't sure yet how to capitalize on the opportunities from television and corporate sponsorships. For months, the aggressive and often manipulative businessman, who was known to come to meetings bearing gifts like watches, had begged FIFA's administrator Stanley Rouse and its no-nonsense general secretary Helmut Kaiser to agree to a partnership. For months, they ignored Dassler's overtures. Dassler's proposal to commercialize soccer was out of step with Rouse's view of the game, and Rouse shunned the growing commercial agenda. But now, sitting across the table from FIFA's new savvy president, Dassler saw a man he could do business with. Chow Havelange had the smell of dirty money, and his sordid election victory earlier in the year only confirmed it for the Adidas executive. It was Havelange's first dinner as president, and it was an elaborate affair, a who's who of soccer officials and international businessmen. Dassler and Havelange each had something the other wanted. Havelange held the reins of the biggest sporting events in the world, but needed money to make good on the promises that got him elected. Dassler had the money to invest, but he needed access to FIFA's devoted fan base to make the investment really pay off. 
They were both on the prowl that night, and they both got lucky. Several days later, Havelange, Dassler, and Patrick Nally, an English sports promoter and marketing executive, met in private. Between the three of them sort of have all all bases covered in terms of promotion, marketing, kit, and the keys essentially to FIFA's contracts. To these men, soccer wasn't a sport. It wasn't a game. Soccer was a product. The World Cup, the ultimate product. And over dinner, the threesome hatched the plan that would remake world soccer and trigger a global sports sponsorship boom. The golden era gave way to an era of gold. And that, John Sugden said, had consequences. Once the gold started to pour in, there were legions more opportunities for corruption, which is exactly what happened. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The aluminum suitcase clanged against the limousine's bumper. The chauffeur reached down with both hands and heaved it into the vehicle's trunk. FIFA's president had set out earlier in the day with an empty container. But after only an hour of shopping, Zhao Havelange's suitcase weighed a ton 
Remember how Havalange had arrived in Zurich with suitcases full of immaculate suits? Now he was leaving with bags literally stuffed with gold. The trip to Zurich's gold dealers was part of a regular habit for the Brazilian. He was known to spend upwards of $30,000 on gold bricks and jewelry to bring home with him to Rio. Havalange strolled through customs with his diplomatic passport. Why did he have a diplomatic passport? I don't know, but I would assume in Soccer Mad Brazil, the head of FIFA is given a diplomatic passport. And no one in Brazil was going to stop a man as powerful as Havalange. And no one was going to ask him where the loot came from. And like its president, FIFA was now awash in money, having signed an $8 million worldwide deal with Coca-Cola in 1975. This first ever exclusive global sports agreement provided Havelange with the resources he needed to expand the World Cup and pay his debts. And so the number of teams increased from 16 to 24 by 1982, and teams from Africa, Asia, and the South Pacific got the automatic spots they had demanded. He's the one who created the World Cup as we know it now as this global super event. He expands the game and expands what FIFA can do. And he expands FIFA's income streams almost exponentially. Who's at the center of this nascent sports sponsorship empire along with Havelange? Patrick Nally and Horst Dassler. Together, they created what has become the ubiquitous sports marketing model and attracted dozens of multinational conglomerates to fork over millions of dollars in exchange for exclusive sponsorship opportunities. By 1978, the logos of Coca-Cola and Adidas adorned nearly every inch of the World Cup games. But even though the 1978 tournament in Argentina is considered one of the biggest embarrassments in FIFA's history, as you'll hear later in the series, the controversies didn't stop global brands from signing up to sponsor future tournaments. By 1982, Canon, Fujifilm, and Gillette would all sign sponsorship deals with FIFA, pumping hundreds of millions of dollars into the sport. You know, you have these blue chip companies sort of knocking FIFA's door down to be a part of the World Cup, which never happened under Stanley Rouse and would never have happened under Stanley Rouse because that was everything that he thought football shouldn't be. Whereas Havelange saw that that was everything that football was going to be and he needed to be at the forefront of it rather than trying to catch up with it. And he was, he was excellent at it. He's a very mafia godfather type figure, but you can't, you have to acknowledge his skill and foresight and perception of what was happening at the time. The bills and receipts sitting in front of FIFA's general secretary came from every corner of the globe. They were piling up and they were telling a story Helmut Kaiser didn't want to hear. It seemed every day a new purchase or expense or contract, some dubious in nature, crossed Kaiser's desk. He knew FIFA's Brazilian president was a profligate spender. Indeed, Havelange was generous, especially with other people's money, especially with FIFA's money. But the receipts for things like designer Swiss watches and $1,000 dinners at Zurich Savoy Hotel were no laughing matter. The bills were adding up. The Coca-Cola money was running out. Kaiser had been at FIFA for 20 years, and he'd never seen anything like Havelange's spending. Kaiser was a simple and dedicated administrator 
a serious guy whose focus was always on the good of the game. Historian Stu Horsfield said this about him. Helmut Kaiser was a wonderful, wonderful general secretary at FIFA. Very open, very honest. Kaiser was getting really concerned about the way Havelange did business. Throughout his reign, FIFA's president liked to brag he never took a salary, which is true, but Havelange knew his way around FIFA's expense account. In the 1980s, his personal expenses were north of a quarter of a million dollars. By the time he left office in 1998, Havelange was billing FIFA a million dollars a year in personal expenses. And Havelange was negotiating contracts on his own without telling Kaiser or the executive committee. One deal to make commemorative coins for the 1982 World Cup in Spain was particularly problematic. FIFA already had an agreement in place with a company to produce its swag, but Havelange hired a different company run by his friend to make the coins. And the cronyism would only get worse. For the same World Cup, FIFA had hired the European company Albinja to provide insurance for the event. But Havelange demanded they subcontract 20% of their business to Atlantica Boa Vista, a Brazilian insurance company that, get this, Havelange was a director of and had a direct financial interest in. Havelange was lining his own pockets with FIFA's money. Then there were the rumors that sports marketing duo Peter Nally and Horst Dassler had paid Havelange a million dollars as part of the 1982 World Cup bidding process. It became such an open secret in European soccer, Kaiser was forced to confront Havelange. FIFA's president erupted in anger at the accusation. Turns out, it was all true. By the end of 1980, FIFA's president and its general secretary were barely speaking. Kaiser's days at FIFA were numbered. Because he doesn't bend to Havelange's will, Sepp Blatter is brought in and Sepp Blatter replaces him. Havelange needed someone he could trust, someone who viewed FIFA the same way he did, as an opportunity to make themselves and their friends rich, really, really rich. And Sepp Blatter, he fit the bill. Sepp Blatter just becomes this protege who works under Havelange, watches, listens, is a part of, is an accomplice to, you know, all the things that happen. Losing his job as FIFA's general secretary was only the first insult Kaiser would suffer at the hands of Sepp Blatter. Months later, Blatter would marry Kaiser's daughter. It was said Kaiser refused to attend the wedding and sat at home alone and cried. With Kaiser out and Blatter in, FIFA was quickly becoming Corruption Incorporated. Like a thief running from the scene of a crime, Diego Maradona sprinted from the goal to the touchline. He waved his teammates over to join him and celebrate. The furious English players raced to confront the referee, who hesitated before deciding to award the goal to Argentina. So what the hell was happening? Moments before, Maradona, the five-foot, five-inch attacking midfielder, leapt up into the air in front of 115,000 sun-scorched fans and scored one of the World Cup's most infamous goals. Video and photographic evidence would later show that Maradona's clinched hand, not his head, punched the ball into the goal. That's totally illegal. 
England's team was right to be furious. But it didn't matter. Maradona's goal in the 1986 World Cup quarterfinals knocked England out of the tournament. After the game, the bandit himself joked that the goal was scored a little bit by the head of Maradona and a little bit by the hand of God. It would come to be known as the Hand of God goal. The German sports press would call it the scandal of the century. The Germans were wrong. It wouldn't even be soccer's most scandalous moment of the tournament. By 1986, the corruption within FIFA had metastasized. World soccer had seen nothing like it before. The men in suits with their envelopes full of cash, they were now the lords of soccer. To hide and to help their criminal efforts, Havelange, Blatter, and Dassler created the International Sports and Leisure Company. For two decades, ISL was granted the exclusive contract to market the World Cup. ISL also worked with an array of other sports organizations, from professional tennis to the Olympics Committee, where Havelange was also a member, until he was banned for accepting illegal gifts and payments. However, it was FIFA's contracts that were the driver of ISL's wealth and power. Dassler, who had had a falling out with his old partner Peter Nally, now split the take 50-50 with the Japanese advertising agency Dentsu. Global brands like Canon, Coca-Cola, Adidas paid millions to ISL to use the World Cup logo in their commercials, while TV networks coughed up even larger sums to ISL to broadcast World Cup matches. The 1986 World Cup, where Argentina won its second trophy, was watched by more than 10 billion eyeballs. Through ISL, Dassler was able to purchase the marketing rights for a mere $32 million, and then sold those rights for a remarkable $160 million, a 500% profit. With more cash for football also came widespread reports of financial wrongdoing by its top officials, including Havelange. All that money could have easily have gone directly to FIFA, but instead went to ISL. Why would FIFA sell the rights to its premier event significantly below market value and forfeit more than $100 million in revenue? Because ISL would then make off-the-book payments, kickbacks, to FIFA executives and other key members of the global soccer community. For more than two decades, until it collapsed and went bankrupt in 2001, ISL operated as a personal slush fund for Havelange and FIFA, who rewarded friends and members of the FIFA family around the globe. At the same time, Havelange continued his insurance scam with his own company, Atlantica Bovista, once again winning contracts to insure the 1986 World Cup for millions of dollars. By the 1990s, Havelange had turned FIFA from a stodgy and racially segregated sports federation into a truly global conglomerate. But one created in his own image, where bribery, secret deal-making, cronyism, and nepotism were institutionalized. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. 
Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Oh, and so back to that tattered and worn letter of reference you heard about at the start of the episode. The one from Zhao Havelange to the mobster Caster de Andrade. It wasn't the only incriminating piece of evidence investigators found that day in 1994. In the same collection of papers, police had found a list of people Caster had bribed. And on the long list of names was FIFA's president. Next to Havelange's entry was written $17,640 for a VIP box at a carnival event. By Havelange's standards, it was a pretty tiny amount, but it showed in black and white that FIFA's president had a personal and financial relationship with one of South America's most notorious gangsters. Havelange was in Europe at the time and was tipped off to the impending scandal. Instead of confronting the accusations that he and Castro were friends, Havelange used his position in FIFA to distract and find new friends, announcing that it was time to expand the World Cup tournament once again, this time from 24 to 32 teams. With Havelange facing re-election in a few months' time, and with European members signaling they wanted a different president, the promise to expand the pool of teams playing in the next World Cup not only buried the caster scandal, but also guaranteed Havelange would get another four-year term. When the 1994 World Cup landed in America, in what had long been a wasteland for soccer, it arrived with a pizzazz that only the combination of Las Vegas and Hollywood could deliver. With a giant blue Jeopardy-like screen, the tournament's draw was a star-studded event, 
packed with entertainment legends like Barry Manilow, Julio Iglesias, Faye Dunaway, and Dick Clark. Since it was the 1990s, they were dressed in baggy clothes with absurdly large shoulder pads. On the stage, comedian Robin Williams yucked it up with Sepp Blatter. Mr. Blatter, so nice to meet you after feeling you for so many years. Nice to have you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're full, I guess. Good. All right. I'm... Oh, look, the world's largest kino board. <laughs> now it is time to fold the blue balls. The room was packed with some of the most famous Americans in the world, who, like most ordinary Americans, knew little to nothing about soccer or the World Cup. The one soccer player Americans did know was conspicuously absent from the stage. His real name is Edson Arantes de Nascimento. To millions of soccer fans, he is known as Pelé, number 10, the most celebrated player in the history of the game. In the 1950s and 60s, the Brazilian superstar Pelé dominated the World Cup, winning three titles. Ramon Mifflin, Tony Field now to Pelé. And then Pelé came to America. Could this be another one? Pelé on mark. And dazzled sports fans playing for the New York Cosmos, part of the now defunct North American Soccer League. Another goal. Are beaten, A wicked shot from Pele. Pele was soccer for most Americans. So it was only fitting he starred in countless commercials in the run-up to the 1994 World Cup. Join MasterCard and the legendary Pele in celebrating the world's most spectacular sporting event, the 1994 World Cup. Pele had also been instrumental and helping his fellow Brazilian João Havelange win the FIFA presidency in 1974. So, where was he? Why wasn't he part of the 1994 World Cup draw in Las Vegas? Months earlier, Pele, who was also an executive with a sports marketing company in his native Brazil, said in an interview that a member of the Brazilian Football Confederation had demanded a $1 million bribe if... Pele wanted to get the broadcast rights to the 1994 Brazilian Championship, a precursor to the World Cup. When Pele refused to pay, the contract went to another firm. The guy asking for the bribe, according to Pele, was Ricardo Teixeira. And who is Ricardo Teixeira? None other than João Havelange's son-in-law. In a sport full of crooks and criminals, Teixeira was one of the worst, or best, taking full advantage of his family connection. He collected millions of dollars in bribes and kickbacks. Most of the payments came from ISL and Jose Avila's marketing firm Traffic Group. One Swiss investigation found ISL paid Havelange and his son-in-law more than $13 million in the 1990s alone. The famed Scottish investigative journalist Andrew Jennings of the BBC who had for decades hounded FIFA officials about allegations of corruption, estimated ISL paid much, much, much more. The internal ISL documents we've obtained show secret payments of around $100 million. We understand most of the bribes went to a handful of FIFA bosses. Pele had called out Havelange and his cronies. So Havelange cut out Pele the most well-known soccer player in America and the world, from FIFA's premier pre-World Cup event. Sepp Blatter delicately placed the gold FIFA Lifetime Service Medal around João Havelange's neck. 
Side by side, the two men smiled and laughed as they stood together on the stage of FIFA's 2006 World Congress in Munich, Germany. It was nearly a decade after Havelange had stepped down and Blatter assumed the presidency, and the crowd of soccer officials cheered the now honorary president. Havelange's autocratic and corrupt reign had officially ended in 1998, but in FIFA's world, he was still the godfather of the organization. Even in retirement, he lorded over the sport. It was a role he was happy to talk and brag about. Havelange liked to remind journalists he had been the head of FIFA for more than 8,700 days. And yes, he actually counted out the days. He talked about going to Russia twice at the invitation of then-President Boris Yeltsin, and to Italy, where he met Pope John Paul II three times, he always liked to point out, and that he was always welcomed in Saudi Arabia by King Fahd himself. Havelange loved to punctuate his stories by saying, do you think the head of state would spare that much time for just anyone? That's respect. They've got their power. I've got mine. The power of football, which is the greatest power there is. They all bow at the feet of the FIFA president because that's where the power is. Everybody wants to be a part of the World Cup. And with that great power, Stu Horsfield explains, comes big trouble. Once you are deferent to you know, a leader or a president of a sporting organization, then you just have absolute power. But obviously there comes absolute corruption and absolute problems. What Havelange never mentioned were the sordid collection of criminals, dictators, and mobsters he liked to pal around with. And shortly after he received that Lifetime Achievement Award from Sepp Blatter, his luck ran out. In 2010, just Days before FIFA was set to vote on the locations of the 2018 and 2022 World Cups, the votes that led to the FBI investigation, the BBC's Andrew Jennings, as part of his ongoing investigation of FIFA, revealed a list of bribes paid to soccer officials via the sports marketing firm ISL. It's a secret document which some people at FIFA hoped could be kept buried forever. Line by line, it details 175 secret payments totaling tens of millions of dollars. This is real money, massive kickbacks on World Cup contracts. The first details of ISL's massive bribery scheme had emerged when six of its managers were taken to court in 2008. Jennings eventually got his hands on the court documents, which showed a trail of payoffs. Although, I have to point out, they weren't considered criminal acts in Switzerland at the time. One of the many payments on Jennings' list was a $1.5 million payment in 1997 to FIFA president Jao Havelange. Sepp Blatter had approved it. But Blatter escaped punishment. Later, an investigation by FIFA's own Ethics Committee chairman, Judge Hans Joachim Eckert, ruled in 2013 that Blatter didn't break any ethics rules by approving the 1997 payment. But Judge Eckert blasted Havelange, who at this point was only a liability to Blatter and FIFA, saying the former president's conduct in conjunction to the ISL scandal had been morally and ethically reproachable. He ruled FIFA for more than two decades, but Jao Avalanche's era at football's governing body has ended in controversy. 
The Brazilian's resigned from his position as honorary president after being named in a report as having received bribes. Although he'd been appointed honorary president for life, Havelange had to resign the title in 2013 in response to Judge Eckert's decision. For decades, Havelange had commanded unprecedented power and respect on the world stage. But when he died in August of 2016, the most quoted person about Havelange's life and career was the man who did the most to uncover his corruption, investigative journalist Andrew Jennings. Here's Jennings speaking to Sky News. And what he says, I think, sums up Havelange's legacy as good as anything I've heard. Well, he was a mixture of astute politician and also he was a very hardline mobster. And let's keep that word in mind. He wasn't anything but a Brazilian mobster who arrived at a weak FIFA in 1974 and did what he wanted. Now, you could argue FIFA went from stodgy and poor to bombastic and rich. But you cannot and should not ignore the direct link between Stanley Rouse and Zhao Havelange. Colonialism and racism are the seeds from which FIFA's corruption and criminality grew, taking advantage of the powerless to enrich the powerful, which is absolutely the opposite of what FIFA is supposed to stand for. In the next few episodes, you'll hear how the lords of soccer abuse their positions to prop up and even promote violent right-wing dictators in Chile and Argentina, all in the name of soccer. The Lords of Soccer, How FIFA Stole the Beautiful Game, is an Inside Voices media production in conjunction with iHeartRadio. The series was written and executive produced by Gary Scott and me, Connor Powell. Special thanks to Giselle Rossi for helping me with the trickiest of the Brazilian names. If I screwed up, it's on me, not her. Logan Heftel and Katie McMurrin provided the sound design with assistance from J.C. Swadek and Jake Bluno. Alec Cowan is our associate producer, and Jeffrey Katz was our story editor. Our fact checker is Alexa O'Brien. And thanks to Miles Gray, who produced this series for iHeartRadio. If you have any comments or questions, please reach out. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Connor M. Powell. And Gary is at Gary Robert Scott. And if you have any stories about FIFA, let us know. If you like what you hear, please give us a shout out at the hashtag Lords of Soccer. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4. 
Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.